Paragon 7 Studios. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon, Paragon 7, 7 Studios. Studios. So I don't usually do this. I get a lot of fodder for the show from, from LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. I'm quoting Ari Gottlieb. And Ari is a, a healthcare strategy guy. I reached out. He he posted something on LinkedIn I thought was very interesting. And I reached out to him. I don't know him personally, but but follow him on LinkedIn. And I said, I really am interested in what you're talking about. And I would like to quote you. And I definitely want to cite that these are your ideas, not Lance J's thoughts. There's just a very good and compelling follow on LinkedIn. And he posts, now I'm quoting him verbatim. Only a year after a billion dollar IPO and three months after declaring they didn't need capital, in filings last week, Bright Health stated that they have substantial doubt about the company's ability to continue as a growing concern. Bright solvency challenges now put their members at risk just months after paying millions in cash bonuses to the CEO and other executives. He goes further to say, for a national insurer of Bright's prominence with a million members, is a big health plan. This warning that Bright requires additional liquidity to meet its obligations in the next 12 months is unprecedented. At the core, health insurance requires a belief that the insurer has the ability to and will pay members' claims. Similarly, I'm still uh, quoting Ari Gottlieb. I'm going to get Ari to, to come on the show. These are not these are not Lance J's opinions and thoughts. I'm reporting the news. I'm not manufacturing the news. So I don't have a dog in the fight. Similarly, Friday health plans appears to be falling apart faster than outdoor weekend plans and hurricane posting losses in quarter two of at least $80 million. They didn't raise anywhere near the capital of Bright or Oscar Health and have filed for massive rate increases next year. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. He goes on to say, health insurance startups have benefited from their ability to quickly scale and grow revenue, attracting billions in funding, which I've talked about on this show. That comes with significantly greater risk beyond that across digital health and health tech, the failure and or receivership of a startup like Bright or Oscar would have significant negative impact on the broader industry, which is why managing in an orderly fashion is necessary. And the market broadly should heed the lessons to focus on building sustainable business grounded strategies in market realities. That's a darn good post. I mean, that's, that's some uh, fantastic stuff right there. Um, so much to unpack and, and I'm careful you know, as I grow with the health cast and we're really we're really actually starting to to put together syndication packages for the health cast. 
So we have the daily show that I do in Atlanta and in DC and in Seattle. We're doing a fantastic job. We have great affiliates. We have great sponsors. But there's so much demand for the weekend healthcare show. And we, we're running weekends in Orlando. We're moving Nashville to, to weekends. We're looking at Virginia Beach. We're looking at New Orleans. We're looking at several markets in Texas. We're looking at San Diego. Because there's so much great information, like just what I read from, and this is from Ari Gottlieb's page. This is just people that I, that I have connections to based on uh, my experience in healthcare. I'm careful. I'm not going to bash Bright Health. I'm not going to bash Oscar. I'm not going to bash Friday. Because I'm a healthcare consultant. And it's not, it's not good business for me to have a dog in the fight. It's not good business for me to cast aspersions or question the integrity or the competence of the C-suite that runs these companies because I, I might go consult for one of these companies. I might have a partner who consults for one of these companies. But as a journalist, I have to at least bring it up, right? Or else I wouldn't be doing my job. And that's, I'm in a very interesting, um, I'm, at, I'm at the convergence of what's going on with, with perceived chicanery in the health tech space. But as someone who's built networks, it's built quality systems. One of the great experiences of my career has been all of the chances I've, I've had to, to go to different parts of the country and, and build with provider groups. Rather, it was Okanagan, Washington, when I was at Community Health Plan in Washington, driving to Okanagan and Spokane and blizzards. Most of those places were a lot of the, the provider groups were, were either near, adjacent to, or directly on Native American reservations where conditions are, are sparse. You got two double wide trailers. I've been downtown Seattle overlooking the Space Needle. Now I work with Banner in, in, in downtown Phoenix. Plush, lavish, beautiful fixtures, everything that you would expect to see if, um, if Grey's Anatomy was about the administrative side. I spent a lot of time on the Pennsylvania Turnpike, driving from Pittsburgh to Altoona, to State College, to Hershey, to the Poconos. And healthcare is different everywhere you go. I spent a lot of time in West Virginia. So the conditions when I worked at a health plan that covered Jackson, Mississippi, and Memphis are significantly different than when I was at Blue Cross of Arizona, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Arizona in Scottsdale. Members have different needs. Members that are in poor communities are more likely to have exacerbated health conditions. They're more likely to have hospitalizations. They're more likely to have chronic complications. But we don't always think as consumers, I'm putting my consumer hat on because I'm a consumer now. I'm not a healthcare executive anymore. I don't work for Centene anymore. I don't work for Blue Cross anymore. I never spend a lot of time with my insurer worried about if they can pay the claim. And Ari Gottlieb in this, I guess a little op-ed that, that he put on, on LinkedIn. When you see what's going on with Bright Health and you see what's going on with Oscar, these are huge, hugely backed companies that have been very successful at raising profile, at raising revenue. Large marketing machine behind them. And at the very worst, they've, they've experienced significant failure. 
from a strategic and planning model. And I'm definitely not here to, to point the finger and say who's responsible for the failure. What they could have done better, what they should have done better. I think it's easy for all of us to Monday morning quarterback any organization that's going through a rough stretch. But when you are facing insolvency, and with the advent you really have, and, and I'm as I'm broadcasting from Paragon 7 Studios, I am looking, I am next door to Jumpstart Nova. So Marcus Whitney is literally across the hallway from me. Who does venture capital funding and has, I think they have 55 or $60 million portfolio. What happens when some of these companies that that raise all of this money and capital and they have these valuations of one billion, two billion, three billion, it's like the like LeBron James, not one, not two, not three, not four. What happens when they don't have the success that they hoped they would have? Who's regulating it? Who 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 falls on the sword? And I just find that to be very interesting. When you have a when you have a company like Bright that if but uh, Ari is posting is is accurate that they're in a situation where they not may not be able to pay their claims. That's scary just for the business across the board. That's not just scary for Bright Health and any of the provider groups that are are working with Bright Health or any vendors that have relationships with Bright Health or anyone whose career is tethered to Bright Health. And when you have money from the big boys, the Googles, the Apples the Walmarts, the, the big Fortune 100, Fortune 50 companies, that doesn't mean that they, that they know healthcare. I say all the time, I'm, I'm a healthcare executive. I was a successful healthcare executive. I know people. I went to a top 30 business school. So I didn't go to Harvard. I didn't go to Yale, but I went to Miami University. It was a very good business school. It's one of the better business schools in the country when I went there. I know people that could run circles around me. There's someone that's been in the Air Force, been in the military. They got in the medical building. They got in the coding. Or they're a nurse that was a charge nurse for 30 years that got on the administrative side, and they know this stuff inside and out. They know all of the codes. They know all the G codes. They know all of the Z codes. They know all of the ICD-9, ICD-10, the modifiers. They know how to read a chart. Those people run circles around me. It's not always about having the, the most brilliant 170 IQ people. And just because you're successful with your supply chain, if you're Amazon moving supply from uh, one part of the country to, to another or Walmart or something like that, does not mean, does that mean you're going to be successful in healthcare? And I, I think that I'm not being critical as much as I'm just concerned as someone that covers this from a media standpoint. I would implore people. And I know a lot of people listen to this show that work at some of these larger companies. I would implore people as they're building their teams to seek out individuals that really know risk adjustment, that really know star ratings, that really know how to build a clinical network, that really understand the, the, the per member per month expenditures and, and if money should be spent on transportation, they could really carve out specific cohorts of members, whether they're complex diabetics or people with mental health problems or people that have been hospitalized more than twice in a 120 day span, all of the, all of the red flags and things that you look for and have different rubrics and modalities for each of those cohorts and understands the consumer assessment of healthcare provider survey and understands the health outcome survey and understands how to build a network out 
and that there's some providers that you don't want to work with and that it's better to be smaller at times and be a four or five star than to, to grow than to grow big but have provider groups that aren't able to manage it and how to run value-based care models and when to go on a partial upside downside risk arrangement as opposed to going full capitation those are the things that in my opinion what i've seen help healthcare organizations to be successful in a longitudinal manner live from the paragon 7 studio you are listening to the blanche j radio network paragon 7 studios Did you know that 12,000 people are turning 65 years old every day? Many seniors will no longer be able to age in place and will need to look for individualized solutions. Upside Home is a personalized service for older adults that provides a gateway to independence and social experiences. Members choose how and where they want to live. Then their home manager connects them with services, amenities, and community events that promote overall wellness. Learn how Upside Home helps older adults age in the right place by calling 954-504-6122 or visiting UpsideHome, that's H-O-M.com. It's electric made extraordinary. Ingenuity in motion. It listens, learns, adapts, and anticipates your every need. With intelligence that feels anything but artificial. The EQS from Mercedes-Benz. It's the car electric has been waiting for. Electric. 